That's a good way to get started, huh? Hey guys, my name's Steve Rockmore. Uh, my wife and I, Kirsten, sitting in the front row, uh, have been part of this church for under a year, and, uh, but I've had a long history with this issue that I'm about to share with you in, in terms of uh, teaching and writing and speaking at men's seminars and uh, missionary training things about being a dad and the importance of being a dad and the, the impact a dad has on a child's life. And uh, so I'm just privileged, uh, Pastor Alex, Pastor Nicholas, uh, I feel privileged that they would allow me to share with you some things that God's put on my heart about this issue. And I hope it makes a big difference on your, in your life uh, in terms of uh, talking about the importance of a dad and the, and the difference they can make in a life. Um, I'm a dad of six. My wife and I have uh, been married 36 years. All our kids are raised now. In fact, two of my sons and uh, my daughter-in-law were here in the earlier service, so they kept me honest. So now my wife's up here making sure that I, I am straight with all my stories here as well, because I love to tell stories not only of the good stuff, but the places where I messed up, because I think we can all relate. I love the fact that in our church, that our, our motto is no perfect people allowed, and that means no perfect dads allowed either, right? Because we've all made mistakes. We've all done things that have, have been less than perfect in, in life. And uh, so I want to talk about a little bit about both of those. Fathering is a passion for me. And before I even get into it, I want to share with you that I'm not talking about dads today to say that dads are more important than moms. We're talking about dads, honestly, because they're missing more than moms. Because the, the issue of fatherlessness is significant in our land. In 1960, 1 in 12, 8% of homes uh, were fatherless are represented without a dad in the home. Today, that number is one in four. It's up to close to 25%. So we've had a significant change over the last 70 years. And it's changed the landscape of what's happening in the United States. And it comes back in many ways about some of the biggest issues that are having, happening in our country. Every time you turn on the news, we're talking about addiction. We're talking about poverty. We're talking about violence. You know, people walking into schools and shooting. Uh, Gosh, uh, you name the issue, and in some way, I think a dad makes a difference in terms of impacting our world. And so that's why I, the, the good news about everything I'm about to share is if you're a man here today or a father, and the thing we all share is even if you're not a father, you've had a father, right? And so I want to talk even about that, about the relationship with the father. Can I have all the guys that are fathers raise your hands right now? Let's give them a hand, huh? celebrating you dads you have a really important role and i want to tell you just how important it is maybe you didn't even know some of the st statistics about how uh, how key it is so uh and i want to talk first about this scripture that's laying the foundation for everything that we're about to share is from the last two scriptures of the old testament so this is before jesus shows up on the scene these are the last two things that come out of the old testament says, Behold, I am going to send you, Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord, and he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. So what's interesting about this scripture is that the land, the thing that was going to prevent the land from being cursed is the hearts of the fathers being joined to the kids, kids to the fathers. How significant is that, Right? If you think about that, that relationship, I want to tell a, a quick story that I think kind of is an example of this. <clears throat> in, in South Africa, this is an incredible story. You can look it up when you go here. And has anybody ever been to Kruger National Park? I've actually been there myself. It's in South Africa. Okay, 
beautiful reserve, the size, size of New Jersey with a big fence around, and you get to see all the, the lions and uh, uh, elephants and giraffes and everything, and you drive through the middle, right? It's a huge, huge reserve. Well, in one part, in one part of the reserve was, uh, there was something happening that they didn't understand. All of a sudden, a bunch of elephants were destroying, killing young rhinos, literally trampling them to death. And it was, this is not a common occurrence. And they're wondering, what's going on? And then some elephants also are charging into villages and, and going crazy and knocking over buildings, pulling up trees, hurting, hurting people. And it was all very strange. So they brought in an elephant expert to ask, what's going on here? What's the problem? They thought maybe it's their diet, maybe it's a disease. What could this be? What could be behind this? So after they studied for two, three months and took stool samples and all these things to try to figure out what in the heck's happening with these elephants, the elephant expert comes back and says, I have one question. Where are all the older male bull elephants on, in the park? And they said, oh, the other side of the park, the population of elephants was dropping, so we took all the older male bull elephants and we put them over there so they would mate with the females and raise the population. They said, well, there's your problem. In elephant society, it's the job of the older male bull elephants to keep the young bull elephants, when they're going through something called must, M-U-S-T-H, a little like puberty for, for, uh, and, and adolescence for teenage boys, they go through this period and they go a little crazy like teenage boys do. And all of a sudden, they can't leave the girls alone. They want to mate with every, every other f female in the area. They want to go and be violent and charge things and, and hurt people. And now they're hurting rhinos. And as soon as they brought back the older male bull elephants, their job is when, the, when those young males full of themselves start going the wrong way, those big ones come up, they're twice their size, and I go, boom! <laughs> hey, you don't do that. Leave that woman alone. Don't mess with that rhino. And they bring, they bring order into the elephant society, and all of a sudden it was all put right. Look, look it up. There's a couple uh, cool YouTube documentaries on this. What a perfect image of what I think is happening in our society today and here in the United States is that we have plucked fathers out of society and things have gone very, very wrong as a, as, a, as a result. The fact that in 1960, we didn't have nearly as many problems as we do today, and there was only one in 12 kids without a father, and today it's one in four. I don't think this is a coincidence. So I have, I have four goals today. Number one, I want to define the role of a father. Because I think we've lost the, the definition of a father in today's society. So I want to go back and tell you my definition uh, of the things that are most important, important in it. The second thing I want to do is dis discuss the importance of a father's role in society. And I want to share some statistics about exactly the difference a father makes when he is involved. There's, there, there's huge scientific studies, government studies, about the difference a father makes in, in the family. And then lastly, I want to encourage you to take part in these final two scriptures in the Old Testament, Malachi 4, where it says, return the hearts of the fathers to the children, children to the fathers, which requires forgiveness. It requires us forgiving the father that let us down and asking forgiveness if we are a father of the ones we let down, and it releases the power of the Holy Spirit to bring restoration in our land, even beyond the healing that brings in our families, right? Okay, so I want to jump right into this. The number one role a father plays is being present. And you guys, this one is a little like if, if the teacher before a big test gave you 50% of the answers to the test and said, listen, here's 50%, you've already got 50%, and so now you only have to know the study for the other 50%. The 50% of the role of a father is just being available, just being around, 
being there when things are happening. And whatever those things are, that you're there to, to be a part of it, to take part. I have a story to share with you. I try to bring as many stories to bring some action uh, to and some examples of this. Uh, when my uh, second youngest son was very, uh, was about four or five years old, he and my, br- by the way, I have six kids, five sons, one daughter. So as a result, wrestling is like a part-time thing that happens in my house all the time. We're wrestling. I was wrestling with them. The boys are wrestling each other. So this is always going. Well, during one of these big wrestling matches, someone's wrestling with Joshua. And when he falls, he had his tongue sticking out. And he bit his tongue so badly that it almost completely separated. Really bad. So I get a call from my wife saying, oh my gosh, can you meet us at the hospital? It's really bad. It looks terrible, Steve. She's, she's panicked. Everybody's worried. And so one of the jobs that I think a father has is I had a business at the time. My role was always that the role of my business is to serve the needs of my family. It's not the role of my family to serve the needs of my business. So I dropped what I did and I said, sorry, I've got to go meet. And I tried to do this as often as I can. I wanted my kids to observe me constantly putting them before my business. So I went to the hospital, and my son, you ever been around kids when they're so badly hurt that they breathe like this? <laughs> right? Well, that's what my son's doing. Now, he's an he's a, uh, almost 30-year-old lawyer now in, in Orange County, California, arguing cases. So his tongue's working fine now, you guys. So just so you know. He's, a, he's very talkative and a great, very good at expressing himself. So when I get there, they, they take him in a hospital, they, they lay him down on the table, and they put a sheet over his face with just a hole right here for his mouth. And then one doctor is trying to stitch up his tongue while the other doctor is holding him still because he's going crazy. He can't see. He's in pain. As you can imagine, he's going nuts. So I asked the other doctor that was holding him down, I said, hey, listen, can I hold him instead? And he said, yeah, go ahead. So I did that, and I got my ear right down by my, my mouth, down by his ear, and I, and I sat there, and I said, son, going to be okay. We're going to get through this. This is dad. I love you. Hold on. He's, the doctor's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. And so he started settling down because he could hear my voice, okay? That's the part that we play, guys, that when we're just present and available for all those little and big moments in our kids' lives that we're available to help for whatever it may be, that, you t- that, that our wives aren't just the only one handling that, that we're there bringing that partnership but I think God got it right when, it, when the same equation it takes to bring a child, to conceive a child, is the same equation it takes to raise a child effectively. And dads need to be actively involved as much as possible. There's a scripture that goes with this. Psalms 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. In each of these areas, God is the example for us as fathers of what a good father looks like. When Jesus was here on earth, he talked about his dad all the time. From the moment he showed up in the temple, where he said, when his parents were looking for him and they couldn't find him, they find him in the temple. He said, didn't you know I'd be about my father's work? First thing he talks about is his dad. And then the last thing on the cross, his father forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And father take, I just surrender my spirit. So God and everywhere in between, Jesus is focused on the father. He used to say, when you've seen me, you've seen the father. So Jesus' life was all about the father. So this is obviously an important part for us as his disciples to follow. The second role of a father. First one's present. Second one is provider. It's a father's job to provide food, shelter, clothing, and some desires. Now, this is, these are all shared roles with the mom. In today's society, on occasion, mom has the job that's bringing in the, the majority of the, of the income, and dad is the one that's, that's holding down the fort. And that's, I think that's absolutely good, that as long as these kids' needs are being met, 
Okay, so, but he's taking his role and taking responsibility that they're getting all the, the food, the shelter, the clothing, and some desires, whatever it takes. In the early days, I would work overtime. I would uh, take on extra jobs even when we weren't making much money. At one point, we were in a little one-bedroom apartment with four kids, you guys, and my wife was pregnant with number five. It, that, those were, we look back on those times to, back then and go, wow. You know, hung and thank God my wife stuck with me through the, good, through the bad, right? You know, for bad and for worse. But she got plenty of her worse. So we finally got a little bit better. But during those times, but I did whatever I had to do to work my tail off to be able to provide for my family, whatever it takes, and that's our job along with our wives. There's a scripture that's a pretty strong one in 1 Timothy 5.8 that says this, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So there's no option. God is saying, if you have a child, it's our responsibility to provide for them. And it's an honor. You know what the great thing about all these roles we go through is God's perfect design for the family is that he takes a cocky, young, arrogant guy like me, he throws us into a marriage, and he says, love your wife the way Jesus loved the church, and take care of and provide for your families, and it forms us more into the character of Jesus. It's, it's this beautiful thing that God did. Because honestly, I look back on the man I was when I first married my wife, and thank God— he had his grace and his mercy on me and helped me change and become better. But it was because I was constantly trying to love my wife the way Jesus loved the church and lay my life down for her and trying to be there for my kids in every moment. And over time, God slowly rough, you know, shaved off some of the rough edges of Steve Rockmore. Thank God he did. The third role is protector. Our job as, as fathers is to protect our kids from all physical, mental, Emotional and spiritual harm. There are so many things in this world that want to come and attack our kids and, and hurt them. And it's our job to stand between, to be proactive. And sometimes those, those uh, things can come from right inside the family. Sometimes one, one, once in a while, one of my kids would be a little bit of a bully with the others. It was my job to step in and say, no, there's no bullies allowed in this house, right? Sometimes maybe an uncle or a grandfather wasn't the best influence and was, was bringing something. And I had to say, I'm sorry, no, your, your influence on my child is going to be limited because you're not, a, and that was my job. And if they got hurt, that was my job to protect them, right? And that's the same thing our God does for us is he's constantly protecting us. And the scripture that I want to share that's, that's, uh, that goes with this is Psalm 18, verses 16 through 19. By the way, this whole chapter is wonderful if you read it about God's desire to, it says this, it says, He sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he saved me from my enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me into an open place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And that's what the, our kids are wanting for us. They're wanting us to so know them and delight in them that whatever it takes— we're going to protect them from harm that might come to them. I have the story of when my daughter was about seven years old, and she used to ride a bus to school. And there was a girl in the neighborhood that lived right next door that did not like my daughter. Unfortunately, my daughter took way too much after me and tended to be a little bit outspoken, a little brash, and this girl did not like my daughter. And uh, so one day on the bus ride home, this girl convinced three boys in the neighborhood, hey, when we get there, I want you to beat up Bethany because I don't like her, my daughter. And so they get off the bus, three boys jump on my daughter and start beating her up right after the bus pulls away. And this little girl, almost like uh, Saul of Tarsus, holds the jackets while these boys are beating her up, right? 
as soon as she gets up from the grass and with tears in her eyes, she looks at him and she goes, my dad's going to be really mad about this. And I was <laughs> very mad. So I asked the Lord, what do I do here? So first I comforted my daughter. I took her on and said, I'm so sorry. And then I said, where do these boys live? Uh, and so we went from house to house to each of these three boys. Big key for boys, if you're going to beat up a girl in the neighborhood, don't do it in your neighborhood because someone's <laughs> going to come looking for you, right? So I went to each. The first two houses were exactly like this. I, I show up, and there's the mom, and the mom says, I am so sorry, and calls, Joey, get up here. Spank, literally one of them spanked me right in front of him and says, say you're sorry, and he goes, I'm sorry, to my daughter. Same, the next home, a mom, same thing, says, tell her you're sorry, and said, I just wanted you to know. The third home I go to is a father answers the door, and when I say, sir, your, your, your son was one of three boys that beat up my daughter today, he says, listen, it's not our job to get involved with stuff like this. You know, the kids will work things out for themselves. Now, I, I was a Christian, but I wasn't feeling very Christian at that moment. I got to admit, this was one of the things I probably could have handled better, but here's what I did. I kind of patted my daughter's hand, and I was a little younger then and more intimidating than I am now. You know, I still had a full head of hair and everything. So I patted my daughter's hand, and I stepped up right up in his grill, and I said, you stay right here. I got up real close where he could hear me, and I said, listen, if you don't keep your, your son away from my daughter and teach her how to treat girls correctly, and you can't teach him to not be a bully, the next time it'll be me and you rolling in the grass and not our kids. You keep your son away from my daughter. And I touched him in the chest. And then I grabbed my daughter's hand. And I go, okay, have a nice day. And I started walking away. And the guy started yelling at me saying, hey, I'm going to come. And, you know, I said, hey, I live right there. Come see me anytime. Okay. So I didn't, like I said, didn't handle it. The most probably Pastor Alex, Pastor Nicholas would have handled this in much more godly fashion. But even though I didn't handle it the best, this is what my daughter looked like as we were walking away from that home. <laughs> right? She knew my dad has my back. Just like the scripture that says, my enemy was too strong for me, and you came. That's our role, guys. We step in and we say, no, you don't mess with my kids. This is my job. It takes us being proactive and involved in their lives. Okay. So this last one, this last role is priest and mentor. Okay? You notice all four of them have PR, so it makes it memory. So present, provider, Protector and priest Mentor is one I use sometimes When I'm not in much Because sometimes I teach, I teach this in settings Where it's not as much a church So I'll use this, this But it's somebody who from the knowledge you have about your kids Because each of our kids is so different I got, I, got one, I got a daughter who loves to talk And I would sit down her And maybe even talk for an hour Two or three times a week Every week And, and hear her heart And share with her I got another son That he maybe says one word for every hundred of her words And so the way I would reach each of their hearts Was very different And that's what it is with, with this role of priest and mentor And here's the other thing If you don't do the first three Of being present, protect, and provide You lose the right to do this one Okay Nobody wants a father to show up and tell their kids When you haven't been there Now I want to tell you what I think about how you ought to live Guess how open those kids are to that, that voice so this is something you earn based on relationship and trust and integrity, right? That you get to do this. Here's the scripture that goes with that. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. 
You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. This sense of that dad is a daily part of the life. Like the sun rises in the morning and it sets in the day. Dad is involved with every part of every, everything that they're doing as a priest and a mentor and teaching them all the things about life. So this, this involved, for me at least, uh, things teaching them about the importance of work ethic. The, th the importance of integrity, of honesty, of uh, how, how we should treat others. For my sons, it involved the fact that I was teaching them what my dad taught me, that guys, your, your greater strength was given you to serve your wife and your kids and your communities and your country and never to dominate, that that strength God gave us was to be used to serve those in need and never to hurt, and that that same strength is meant to protect when someone does use their strength to dominate. If there's another man that's taking a, a stronger place of dominance, it's our, our place to step in and say, no, you don't get to do that. So that's, that's our role. And we teach that to our kids. So I had this, uh, I had this funny moment with, with my two sons that were here earlier. So I did it to embarrass them a little bit when they were here earlier. Uh, I was, in, in talking about priest and mentor, uh, I was walking through the house, and uh, my son, Michael, who was about seven or eight, was, was reading the Bible to my younger, his younger brother, who was about four. And as I'm walking by, I hear him reading the scripture that says something like this. It says, Husbands, uh, love your wives and may their breasts satisfy you at all times. He says it's out time. And then as they, after they read it, they both looked up at me and went. And then one of my sons says, Dad, do you satisfy mom's breasts? And it's like, yeah, no, that's not what that's saying right there, actually. And so I sat down, and in an age-appropriate way, I shared with them that, no, what God wants is men are attracted to women, and he wants only their wives to be the one that they give their heart to and that they lend their eyes to. And so I took that moment to share and settle it. Well, that's part of being a mentor, to teach them about every aspect of life, to be able to teach them what it looks like to be, to be involved, right? So I want to get into now some of those statistics. So we mentioned already that only back in 1960, only one in 12 grew up in a home without a father. But today that number is one in four. So we've had a radical change. Here's the difference a father makes. So guys, listen to the difference you make when you're involved in the lives of your kids. Number one, four times greater risk of poverty if they live in a home. So these are all things if they grow up in a home without a dad. By the way, before I read this, I want to say this to every mom here who's at home. You might be going, oh, no, I feel so terrible that my kids. Ladies, you're holding down the, the job of two. If your guy is not there, this is not your fault, okay? I want, we should stand behind every single mom who didn't abandon. Sometimes moms get blamed for the problems in the home when really it's because dad hasn't been around and she's the only one that stays and yet she takes the blame. So we need to stand behind our single moms, don't we? Everything that we do. So here's those statistics. If, if you grow up in a home without, with, in a fatherless home, you're four times the greater risk of poverty, more likely to have behavioral problems, two times greater risk of infant mortality, more likely to go to prison, more likely to commit crime, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen, more likely to face abuse and neglect, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, two times more likely to suffer obesity, two times more likely to drop out of school. And when I added to this, 
is that for if a father's actively involved in, in particularly his girl's life, did you know he extends their first sexual experience by about three years? Can I tell you the reason I think that is? Is every guy that got within five feet of my daughter, they got this look. Okay? Every father needs to have the glare, right? And I think that that's at least part of it. But also, I was shaking the hand of the guy who came over to see my daughter very extra hard. You know how we do, guys, to send the message? I see you, and I know what you're thinking, right? So our role makes a huge difference. Now, in a room this size, I've got people in here that your dad was a great dad like mine was. And then I've got others that say, my dad was never there. He was the worst. In fact, you might say that the worst pain in your life was as a result of your father, right? My dad, thankfully, even though he, he was a high school dropout, he was an ex-Marine, worked with his hands most of his life, sold tires, came home smelling like tires most of his life. But you know what my dad did? He grew up in a home with a father who did not treat him well, who abused him, who maltreated him, who spoke it, slapped him, spanked him in front of his siblings to embarrass him, did all kinds of things. So my dad realized when he was in the Marines, I've got all this anger inside me about my dad, and if I don't let God change it, I'm going to take it out on my kids. It's a little like a cup full of sour milk that sits on the counter for a couple weeks, right? When you finally knock that thing out, how, how bad does it smell, right? It's like that with us. If we allow that bitterness, that anger to stay in us, and we don't let God to come in and clean it, the first time our cup gets knocked over because of all the stress in life, the hard time, out comes this anger. And the very thing that we said we would never do, I'll never be like my dad, I'll never do this, all of a sudden, there it is. And you realize, I just said the same thing that my dad used to say to me. And you realize it's because you never walked through forgiveness. My dad forgave his father, and as a result, the only man I ever knew was the kindest. I didn't even realize how abused he was until I was much older in life because he was the kindest, most encouraging. I want to tell you one story about the power of a father being encouraging. My first day at junior high school in Los Angeles, this is where I was raised, uh, they, would, they would line up the whole school according to height in order to give you uh, lockers. You know, you had the low locker, the middle locker, and the high locker, right? And so the way they would determine who got the low locker, middle locker, and high lockers, they'd line everybody up according to height. So I'm walking down this line of about two to three hundred kids. So I'm walking and walking and walking to find my place. And I get to the end and I realize there are only two shorter people in the whole school than me. And one of them was a dwarf. One of them was a little person. And all of a sudden I went, I'm short. I'm short. My dad never told me I'm short. And I was. I was four foot nothing. And I went home that day and I said, Dad, you never told me my, I'm short. And he goes, well, I didn't see any help and focusing on that because you guys I played football I played baseball I was like I was like the little chihuahua that that ran with the big dogs <laughs> that thinks he's a big dog that was me now I had this very short growth spurt that took me from four foot nothing to five foot my huge height of five foot six today but because my dad focused on all the good things and told me there was nothing I could do it built me up and it it made me believe him that there was nothing I couldn't accomplish. The power of a father's words, the power of a father's looks, the power of a father's hugs is amazing. And men, you can be like my dad and be the one who turns the tide, that changes things, and that someday your sons are standing up on a stage telling you how your dad was the one that changed everything for your family. I've got six amazing kids who love Jesus who are doing far better than I did because my dad forgave his father and turned the tide for now generations to come. 
And there are men in here today that you were hurt by your dad. There are women in here that you were hurt by their dad. And forgiveness is the power that will restore it. I want to go through this scripture one more time and encourage you. Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. Here's the power. If you forgive your dad, it doesn't just restore the family like it did for me. It actually brings in the blessing of God and breaks the curse on our land. Same thing's true. If you as a father, because you know what? We've all made mistakes. I can't even tell you how many times I've had to tell, ask my kids to forgive me. Because if you don't, as a father, this is really important. We have to, from the time they're very small, admit when we make mistakes. There's two reasons. Number one, it brings healing to their hearts when we make a mistake. Say we yell, we overreact, and I've done, I could, I could have a whole nother sermon of all the mistakes I've made. But when we ask their forgiveness, it brings healing to their heart. And then what it also does is it restores trust, it restores relationship with God, and it sweeps in revival. So I want to I encourage you. Here's a scripture that goes with this. Matthew 6, 14 through 15 says, For if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, when your Father will not forgive, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. There's something that happens when we get a little older and we recognize that our, our parents were human like us, right? And that we can finally say, I need to forgive my dad. I need to ask I need to ask forgiveness of my kids for something. Maybe, maybe you weren't the best in one of these areas. Thankfully, we're all in desperately in need of God our Father to forgive us and to bring restoration in all of our lives. So can I encourage you? You can be the one that turns the tide. It's never too late. You're never too old to make a call, guys, and say, I am so sorry. I want to tell, share one quick story with you, even though we're getting close on time here. My daughter shared with me when she was an adult about a moment where this is one of the times I screwed up. When she was growing up, where she was involved, she decided to join the track team. Now, my daughter was mainly academic. She liked to read. She never was interested in sports, even though we said, hey, try this, try this. She's like, all of a sudden, wanted to. And I realized the reason she wanted to join the track team because she's very social. All her friends were on the track team. Okay? So, years later, as an adult, she comes to me and she goes, Dad, you went to every one of my brother's events. You never attended one of my track meets. And I went, you're right. And I said, you know what, I did it because I thought you wouldn't even want me there because it was social, but you're right. I really, and guys, I lost it. <laughs> I started crying. I said, I'm so sorry. And she started crying. And I threw my arms around her and I said, Bethany, will you forgive me for not being there for you? I love you and I'm so proud of you. She forgave me, and she's never brought it up. Now, I've brought it up a number of times, but she's never brought it up again. It brought healing to her heart. And the other thing it does when a father has forgives, it models to the next generation that you're never too big to admit you made a mistake. Whether that kid is, is a baby or they're an adult and you're 75, it's never too late to go back and say, will you forgive me? I made a mistake. And forgive your father. And when it does it, it, it will break the curse in our land. I just want to say a prayer. Lord, I just want to ask in Jesus' name that you give everyone in this room the courage, which it takes courage, to forgive their fathers for the mistakes they made and to ask forgiveness 
to the people they need to ask forgiveness for. And God, would you bring revival in our church and in our land as a result of restoring the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. In Jesus' name, amen.